Welcome to the Evernorth Podcast, where we bring on the explorers, dreamers, and discoverers to find out what their true north is in life. Hope you're all having a great day and enjoy the show. Today on the show, we have the CEO and co-founder of Busy Coffee, which is a startup beverage company whose mission is to create the highest quality and most convenient beverages on the market. And he was also an ultra endurance runner. Alex French, welcome to Evernorth Podcast. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be on the show. Glad you could come on. So you started out going to college at University of St. Thomas. You went from 2007 to 2011, and you studied finance and entrepreneurship. And then soon after that, you went on to work for and start up other businesses, um, leading up to the founding of Busy Coffee in 2015. What were you brewing up in those four years after graduating college? So I went probably your pretty traditional route where I did have kind of the corporate um, ambition. So although I was an entrepreneurship major, I always wanted to start my own business. Um, When I graduated, I actually had an idea I was looking to pursue right out of the gates. And basically it failed the second it started. Uh, It wasn't my idea, it was a business plan I wrote for a friend. Uh, but really just always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I tried that. It was like a, gosh, was it a skimboarding product? And uh, yeah, as I said, immediately failed due to a founder divorce. And then um, basically was looking for like, okay, well, I'm broke. Uh, I need to start making some money. And so I basically applied. I took the first job I could at Best Buy. And I was doing a supply chain. I was an analyst. So literally just living in Excel spreadsheets all the time. And you know, it was a very unique and I'm very grateful for the experience because I was in spreadsheets and I'm decent at math. And for me, I'm able to like listen to things while I do that. So it was this amazing experience where I was getting paid and all I was doing was listening to podcasts. So in my head, I was like, I'm getting paid to learn right now. This is freaking amazing. So I uh, was working at Best Buy for a couple of years, started my first like real business that was an LLC that actually had a product and generated revenue. So it was an accessory in the snow sports industry. It was called Lifty, which is like one of the greatest brand names of all time. So it's it was basically a snowboarding accessory. The product, it was just a widget. At the end of the day, it was just an accessory you'd put on your board. But um, it was a great experience. It failed. Um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but in through that, I had a ton of learnings and like the brand was super awesome. We still get people asking for like shirts and stickers to this day because the lifty is a culture, right? And that's one of my major lessons learned is going after like cultures and communities is really important. Um, so did that failed, uh, right around that time started really getting really into like endurance races. And so started doing like Tough Mudders. It's just like a 10-mile obstacle course, but it's relatively simple. You're like running for like a quarter of a mile, and then you like climb a fence, and then you like run a quarter of a mile. It's, it was like not very difficult. And then um, like through this whole thing and getting into like nutrition because of the racing, and then after doing the snow sports product, I really fell in love with marketing and branding. And then was like, okay, I like food. I eat food. I'm really interested in the food industry. And I love marketing and branding. And fortunately for me, there's this amazing company called General Mills, which is based in the Twin Cities um, that manages brands in the food industry. So it was kind of like this perfect job where I got to just sit on the Cheerios team, do marketing, do research, look at sales data. I did a ton of data analysis. 
um, and just got like really smart. And again, same thing was constantly listening to podcasts and using every opportunity I could to just like fill my brain with really smart people while I was getting paid. Um, so did that for another like two and a half years and got r even further into the endurance races and then uh, kind of went off and did my own thing. What was your favorite podcast that you listened to during that time? Oh, gosh. You know, I probably listened to – I just wanted to fill my brain with, like, positivity and information. So I bet you I listened to Entrepreneur on Fire, like, every single day. Uh, it was very much like I knew I wanted to start a business. I had started businesses. They had failed. And so I just kept, like, filling my brain with, like, all right, what are these successful people doing? How are they doing it? What are their tips and tricks? What are the consistent themes that they're explaining? I'm like, how can I start making some freaking money on the side? Um, so there were a lot of them like that. I think one of them was like duct tape marketing. Um, you know, while I was at work, I really tried to treat it like I was in school. So everything was pure education based. Those are the ones that I remember. There was probably like, um, oh, this week in startups is more of like a technology, but it's all about like fundraising and um, the true like startup mentality. Uh, and then there was probably like a couple of, uh, I was really into like motivation at the time too, just like, cause before you start your business, it's so like nerve wracking and you just need to like fill yourself with positivity. So I probably had a lot of those as well. I don't remember any specifically, but it was probably more like speeches and those types of crazy, crazy things on YouTube. Were you listening to Entrepreneurs on Fire before you actually went on the show? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably listened, I think I started on like episode before it was episode 100. And I had listened to literally every single one for like three years. And then I got on it and it was kind of like, shit. Dreams I, coming true. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I, think I've, I think I've made it. I hadn't, I was a failure at the time. But like, there was that one little baby step of like, wow, I listened to this for years and my story is now good enough that I'm able to like share it with others. So did it was you, pretty fun. Did he reach out to you to come on the podcast? No, no, it was, I was going on a podcast circuit. So I had reached out to probably like a dozen podcasts because um, we were like starting to sell on the internet. And so I was like, well, let's get some free impressions and help like build my personal brand a little bit, which I still haven't figured out how to do. But no, I reached out to them. Mm -hmm. And then during that podcast, he chatted a good amount about Busy Coffee. But I want to know more so about like how was Busy Coffee started? Was there like a certain moment that just like hit you where like you wanted to start Busy Coffee or did it take like a good amount of research on the front end to like lead up to starting Busy Coffee? Yeah, um, you know, you always hear of like the aha moment. And depending on if you're asking my business partner, Andrew or me, um, Andrew uses the aha moment. And I lived and breathed research for two years while I was at General Mills. So I knew I had wanted to start a company again. I knew I wanted to be in the food industry because that's kind of what I knew. I knew how to market, build brands. I knew the sales channels and I understood how to sell into those channels. So I knew I was kind of interested in that. And we were really into diet and nutrition. And so we thought we could have a, our own unique like founder story if we were in that industry. And we were making cold brew coffee ourselves. And it kind of hit on a couple of the things that I thought a product had to be. So my first snowboarding accessory, there's a couple of things that it failed for, which in hindsight, of course, it was going to fail for these reasons. Like one of them is purely the product. You would buy it once. And so every time you acquired a customer, it had to be wildly profitable right out of the gates. 
And so like coffee was consumable, right? It was a drug. You're going to drink it every day if you use this brand. So that was one where I was like, okay, it's consumable. Once you get a customer and they like your product, they're going to just keep buying it. So you only have to acquire them once. And the other major lesson I learned in the snowboarding industry is we were targeting like new snowboarders and old snowboarders. But the thing about snowboarding is it's very influencer driven. So the influencers drive all of the trends. Uh, and so this, the majority of the consumers didn't like the product because the professionals would never use it. And with coffee, it's also very influencer driven. And so we knew that, hey, we just got to build the product for the influencers. Unfortunately, we have a cool brand name um, and it's coffee, right? So the productive people that are busy drink it. Uh, so it kind of fit a lot of the the boxes and checked the boxes that I had in mind. And we were making it ourselves, and I thought it was going to be a big category. So, um, you know, it kind of was more on the research side of it. It wasn't a true, like, aha moment. Um, well, I kind of focus on the cold brew side of it. Because would you say you're probably mainly focused on the cold brew aspect of Busy Coffee? Yep, definitely. Why not focus on, like, coffee beans or just, like, coffee grounds or different kind of different markets within like the coffee? Yeah, so the, for, for us, we, we didn't want to just like compete in an existing category because the thing about coffee is it's been around for an extremely long time. So to win in that category, you either have to be the lowest price or you have to have an amazing brand. And to just have an amazing brand requires money. To build a brand is extremely expensive. And so we were drinking cold brew and... I predicted that it was going to be a long-term trend. And because it was still relatively new, we could be one of the front runners in that category. And so we figured, hey, you know, riches are in the niches, so just go after it and, and stay true to being a cold brew brand. We have since then launched a couple of like hot brew products, we would call them. And it's been very difficult. Uh, it is a different consumer. It's a different usage occasion. And they would call it a red ocean where it's a super bloody category because there's just so much competition and it's a commodity. So there's no like value add to the product that we would be able to do. So it felt like it would have just been extremely difficult to, to kind of break through in that category. Okay. That makes sense. How much coffee do you drink daily? Um, a little less now than I used to, but I probably have... Depending on the day, like three to six cups, probably. Do you feel like you've kind of hit a point where it doesn't really, the caffeine doesn't make a difference on you, or do you still feel it? Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like the first cup, and then after that, I just drink it all the time. It's actually very hydrating, and uh, I get kind of bored with water. I'm just a heavy consumer, so I drink a ton of water, too, and I get, like, sick of it. So um, I do drink a lot of coffee, and the first cup I do feel. Mm -hmm. Still feel it. Yeah. <laughs> and then on Instagram, you posted a little while ago, um, want to know how we got to number one on Amazon and sold in Target and Walmart. You posted that as a question asking if people wanted to know. Do you have, do you have the answer for that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's certainly longer than, uh, than a short answer. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've done it consistently. We've been number one on Amazon for about 18 months in the coffee category, specifically within the cold brew segment. So it is a niche within it. But, um, 
you know, there are tactics to, to get there, and I'm happy to kind of share any of, of those, but it's a long process that we use to get to number one on Amazon. But then getting into Target and Walmart, um, it's really interesting because we've been number one on Amazon for a while, and we've been selling very well on Amazon for a long time. And initially, I would reach out to these retailers and say, hey, we're number one on Amazon, or we're doing extremely well on Amazon. Um, we'd love to sell our product in your stores. And they would say, well, absolutely not. If you're selling to Amazon, we're not selling, we're not going to carry your products because they were threatened by Amazon. Where now that now that we're number one on Amazon and the market has kind of matured on e-commerce, they realize that, hey, if you're that well, if you're doing that well on Amazon, you're going to do well in my stores. And if we don't carry your product, we're going to lose that customer to Amazon. So I was able to reach out to the target buyer and say, hey, we're number one on Amazon. Um, they do these things called shelf reviews and shelf set dates. So they will review products basically for like two to four weeks once a year. And if you miss that review date, you have to wait until the next year. And so I emailed the buyer and said, hey, we're number one on Amazon. I'd love to present some information to you that I think is unique to the category. Um, when are your review dates? And we got the review dates. She scheduled the meeting. Uh, and then she agreed to carry the products or at least test them in several hundred stores. I then took that information and went to the Walmart buyer and said, hey, we're number one on Amazon. We're going to be in a national competitor of yours. I'd love to tell you about what we're doing. And we got the meeting and we got in there as well. So it wasn't too difficult um, coming from that you're already number one on Amazon to then get in Target and Walmart? Correct. Uh, now, in, in the early days, it was a roadblock. They would say absolutely not. But, you know, the thing about Amazon and business in general is people vote with their dollars. And so to be the number one bestseller on Amazon means you sell more dollars than anyone else in the category. And so it de-risks uh, the product for the retail buyer. So... You know, the thing about a physical product is you have to pay for inventory to the bag and the actual coffee. It's very expensive to hold that inventory. It requires a lot of cash. And so they want to mitigate their risk. They don't want to bring in a product without knowing that it's actually going to sell. And so they now look at Amazon to say, hey, this product has been de-risked. Consumers like it. We're pretty sure it's going to sell well in our stores, so we'll take the chance. Definitely don't have to share all your secrets, but as far as getting to number one on Amazon with the product, mm -hmm. was there anything that like really stood out and worked really well? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some tactics that we use for sure. Um, there's probably, I don't know, I've written down probably three to five things that are really important. So the thing about e-commerce and Amazon specifically is, I don't know the exact number, but it's something along the lines of 80% of consumers um, search for products. They don't navigate through. So if you go on Amazon, obviously you can click like grocery and then there's like food and beverage and then there's like coffee and then there's within that there's cold brew coffee. People don't find products that way. They just search. So people go into Amazon and they search cold brew coffee. And so we just wanted to make sure that we were going to be there no matter what. And so this is your kind of textbook search engine optimization or search engine marketing. And so we made sure to do a bunch of research on how to do that. So it's like, make sure you have the correct keywords, uh, make sure they're in your title, make sure you have the pictures and your profile is healthy. Those are kind of your standard baseline stuff. And then there's also the really smart um, PPC advertising, pay-per-click advertising, 
where when we launched, we spent a lot of money um, on marketing because we wanted to make sure that if someone ever searched for cold brew coffee on Amazon, they were going to see our product. And we wanted them to see us multiple times so that they knew that we're, we're the cold brew guys, right? Like we focus on this and this is all that we do. And so it's like if you go to um, a restaurant, right, and they have burgers and pizza and sushi, you're kind of like, is this sushi going to be very good? I don't know. They do, like, everything. And, like, their pizza probably sucks. Their burgers are, you know, burgers are probably okay. But the sushi is definitely going to be garbage. Where, like, if you're looking for restaurants and you want sushi, like, you're going to go to the sushi restaurant because that's what they do. And so we wanted to make sure that we just showed up everywhere. We were specialized in it, and we had fantastic reviews. Uh, and that was kind of our strategy. And we do a ton of remarketing. So we send emails. Um, we do everything we can to basically game the system to make sure that we show up number one on that organic search result. Was going into Amazon and selling from Amazon, was that something you wanted to do right away with Busy Coffee? Or did you just want to like sell in your own online store? <laughs> so truthfully, we sold on Amazon out of necessity because no retailers would carry our product. When we launched, um, it was such a slap in the face because I came from General Mills. I had launched products at General Mills very successfully, getting them into tens of thousands of stores. Um, when I did it on my own with no salespeople, uh, it was virtually impossible. And in order to not fail the company, we had to sell on Amazon. Um, and the general thought that I have is, it's very difficult to acquire customers. And so to get someone to your website is very challenging. You either got to pay to get them there or you have to do some like crazy viral marketing campaign, which is pretty unlikely. So our thought was, well, if people are going to be searching for these products, like Amazon, I think is the third largest search engine and people are there to buy. So we knew that like cold brew is growing extremely fast. We looked at the Google trends. That was another reason we selected the category because we knew it was very searchable. So our thought was like, there's customers that are looking for this product. Let's just like put it in front of them. Like that's where they're going to be. It's the same reason in my mind is like, if I'm going to go do like a demo or a sampling, I'm going to go to a grocery store because they're there to buy groceries. I'm not going to go to a soccer game and sample my product and then try to sell it to them. They're there to watch soccer, right? So I want to make sure that we are where the customer is looking to purchase the product. Mm -hmm. And then do you remember what it was like to get your first sale for a product that you created? Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. You know, we we literally have the first dollar. It is taped to our labeling machine. So everyone knows, they see it. A thing has been beat up. It's been years. Um, but it's probably one of the most rewarding feelings that you could ever have. To truly create something of value that people are looking for and love and just pay you real money. Like, it is such an amazing feeling. So, yeah, definitely remember it. Still have the dollar. Think about it fondly all the time. Yeah. And then you also have an interest in, you You definitely do Ironmans. Where did that interest come from? Uh, you know, when I was in my, like, probably early to mid-20s, I was, as I said, I was working my corporate jobs. I was listening to these podcasts constantly. And I was just on this, like, personal mission to see what I was capable of. And that is everything, right? So work, professional life, and then mental and physical. 
And so that 24-hour obstacle race that we did was truly the most challenging thing mentally and physically that I had ever done. And so, um, you know, we did that a couple of years, and I just truly wanted to see what I was capable of. Um, Specifically why I did Iron Man is the brand. Brand is so important. So I had done these 24-hour races and they, it was hands down the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. I mean, I'm not a crier. I cried at the finish line. I probably hadn't cried in 10 years, right? And I did because it was just so freaking hard. But the problem was it's called the world's toughest mutter. And A, people may know what tough mutter is, but it's like a 10-mile race and a lot of people can do it. And it sounds like kind of childish. It's unfortunate for, the, for them that I'm saying this. Whereas Iron Man is... one of the most recognizable national brands in the world. And it shows that like, holy shit, this dude is a real badass. And I literally did Iron Man so that I could like let people know who, what type of person I am. So if you look at my Instagram or my LinkedIn, like I tell people, like I proudly say I'm an Iron Man, but the fact of the matter is Iron Man was way easier than the 24 hour race. But because the brand is so much stronger, that's what I tell people. What makes up that 24-hour time period for a race like that? So it, it is a five-mile lap, and it's got 20 obstacles on it. So it could be cliff jumping into water, for a 40-foot jump. could be crawling under barbed wire. It could be swinging from ropes, climbing a mountain. Um, and then, of course, it's a five-mile loop. And we, we do it in the team series, so everyone's got to do the whole thing, but you're doing it as a team, and you just go as far as you can. So it is a true test of grit because it's for time, right? Like, you're going to do this for 24 hours, and you're going to go out as hard as you possibly can, uh, and so you just you just keep going, right? And so there's, like, a pit every lap you can take, so you have, like, a tent and food and nutrition and stuff, um, but the goal is to go as far as you can and just try to, you know, go all out. Do you have a secret to your ability to compete in such long, physically demanding races like that? Yeah, I mean, be with the team. Um, I'm a pretty, like, rugged dude, uh, and I'm generally pretty positive. But when you're doing something for 24 hours, like, you're going to want to quit. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So the first year we did it, it was just the four of us. Um, and we, we actually had a coach on the phone that we just checked in with every like eight hours. And, you know, it's like, how is everyone doing? And this was a professional running coach. So he like kind of, he's like, hey, here's your role. Here's your role. Here's your role. And you just got to make sure that everyone's up and down. Um, there's people that do it by themselves. And like, I could never do that. I'm a, I'm a pretty tough dude, but there's no way I would finish that thing by myself. There's just absolutely no way. So, you know, I'm always with a team. Like, I'm very fortunate to have my business partner, Andrew, um, because entrepreneurship is the ultimate endurance race. I mean, we've been at it, you know, 100-hour weeks for five years. And so just having that team and support system is, like, totally critical to doing it. And then, you know, you just always got to make sure you're positive and you don't think negative thoughts and you're just filling your head with positivity. Mm-hmm. And then is there one out there in your mind that you just really badly want to compete in? You know, I, at least right now, probably like from a competition, because in my head, there's two types of people. There's competitors and there's completers. And I'm just focused on competing in the coffee industry because it is so freaking competitive that like I want to win and I want to win bad. So that's my primary objective. Um, let's say we have a successful outcome with the company. 
I'm very interested in doing uh, this thing called the Adventure Racing World Series, where it's a swim, paddle, bike, or maybe it's, no, it's it's a paddle, trek, bike. And uh, really interested in that. It's like 500 kilometers, so it's like multiple day race with a team. But it's like, it's more like adventure, so you're out in like, the Australian outback and then you're in Alaska and then the Swiss Alps or whatever. Um, so I probably would want to do something like that. It's kind of the next one. Otherwise I don't know what else I could do. That's more epic. Yeah. So you have to travel to a bunch of different locations to Mm -hmm. like fully complete it. Well, no, like there'll be like five, like the race will be in the outback and then the next race in the series Mm, would be in like Alaska or something. So they're just in these beautiful locations. Um, that would just be great to visit. Yeah, that'd be sweet. And then I also have a question from Daniel Okan. He says, if you were to start from scratch again, what would you do differently? I wouldn't do it in the coffee industry. That's for sure. Um, I think it's really important to have a high barrier to entry um, because, you know, competition is really, really, really hard. And specifically in like physical goods, it's very expensive. Um, where coffee, it's pretty low to get started, and there's a lot of noise in the category. So I wouldn't have chosen coffee. I have a couple of other um, categories that I think are a little more exciting. Um, so I would just choose a different category. I think I'm, the strategy was good. I've learned so much. I've failed so many times that you know my learnings would just put me into a different category, essentially. But you know, I generally like consumable goods. I like um, selling products on the Internet. I probably would have waited longer to go into retail if it would probably be one um and then i definitely would not have launched the coffee shop line which failed uh, because we lost a lot of money on that one Um, but i think i would just choose a different category frankly Mm -hmm. um but otherwise you know i'm super glad i did it i've learned so much and i think we're still gonna you know win long term but it's gonna be a, a long slow grind yeah, I mean, being number one on Amazon, like, that's a huge accomplishment for sure. Yeah, it's really fun. It's great to say. I mean, everyone knows what Amazon is. But unfortunately, uh, it's still a very small portion of the total category. Um, I think the Internet is still, you know, it's like 3% of total sales of the category. So, you know, we're looking to, to make a big push into retail. But it's really hard. It's very expensive. And it's very slow. Um, so going bigger, faster on the Internet is definitely the way to go. And then, Alex, what are you afraid of? I mean, probably like everyone, I'm afraid of failure, right? Like it sucks. Um, I'm afraid of this business failing. I don't think it's going to. I think it's going to be a a huge win, but um, there's so many things that are out of my control. Um, I think failure probably drives me more than anything. Um, You know, I've raised money from friends and family, and um, the thought of losing their money is like keeps me up at night for sure. Like there have been many, many, many sleepless nights um, being on the borderline of failure. Um, So that's definitely my number one fear. Mm -hmm. And then what would you say is your true north in life or purpose? You know, for me, at least right now, um, I really want to build a household brand name. I want everyone, I want to have built something that everyone can recognize the trademark and the brand um, because everything that comes along with that is a, a very successful life. People know about what you've done. You have a successful business. Um, you're able to brighten people's day because, again, at the end of the day, it's, entrepreneurship is adding value to people's lives in some way, shape or form. And if you're able to do that on on like a national or global level, you're impacting millions of people. And that's the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. My mom actually bought me a cold brew coffee maker. 
and she bought three different coffee brands, and one of them was Busy Coffee. Yes. And she, just, she like, doesn't have any connections, so Love I was it. just on Amazon. Yeah, we had, a, uh, we had an investor that gifted their friend, excuse me, someone gifted the investor a cold brew coffee maker and a bag of coffee, and they gifted them Busy Coffee without knowing that they were an investor. And that was like the ultimate to get that story from an investor to be like, hey, someone gifted me this. And I'm an investor, like such an amazing feeling. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. And then if you could go camping for a week with three people alive or dead, who would those three people be and why? You know, I think it would be kind of all the men who built America. So like what the uh, Carnegie, the Vanderbilts, and uh, what's the other major one? Uh, I can't recall the name. It'll come to me at one point. But, um, you know, railroad, oil, uh, money, all that. The people that have built these huge fortunes obviously i want to be financially successful but they have these legacies where they truly impacted something large um you know this crazy dream you hear about elon musk trying to colonize mars and that's so cool i would love to be involved in that so to be able to just hear how they went from this country being basically nothing to bringing it all together and building these companies that are were worth billions of dollars and employed millions of people is like the ultimate, right? It goes back to being this like very um, national brand. And we just love to hear how they did it. Uh, certainly would love to kick it with Richard Branson too because oh. we'll put him as the third because, man, what a, what a dude. Yeah, massive impact for yeah. sure. And then if you could explore one place in the entire world, where would you go and why would you go there? Well, I would go out of this world and into space. Into space. Because I think that's the next frontier. And ever since a kid, that's been one of my reasons why I want to be successful is because, man, I want to go to space. Like, what a cool thing. So um, kind of flipping the question on its head, but would love to explore space and, and just kind of see that. Otherwise, you know, some crazy deserted island that's never been touched by human just so I can be with nature and see, you know, purity in its most basic form. Do you have a certain planet that you want to go and see in space? You know, I think I'd want to just like be out there and just like float around and see because, you know, like I love how lush the the planet Earth is. It's There's water, there's trees, and you can see it all. Uh, and to see it from space and realize how like insignificant we are or this conversation or my product or anything in the big scheme of things would, would really put things in perspective. And I'd, I'd like to feel that. Mm-hmm. You're going to be signing up for uh, Elon Musk's uh, spaceship to uh, Mars at all? I mean, if I can afford it, definitely. <laughs> Sweet. And then if you were to leave your last piece of advice dash message right now, what would that be? You know, I think I'm a huge um, proponent of the mindset, and it would be believe it, then achieve it. And then, Alex, how can people find you on social media events? Definitely check out Busy Coffee for sure. Yeah, we are at Busy Coffee. That's B-I-Z-Z-Y. Um, I'm Alex at BusyCoffee.com. If you want to know more tactics on the Amazon side of things, I'm certainly happy to share um, stuff in more detail. I'm uh, Alexander James French on Instagram and at Alex French on LinkedIn. Yeah. So certainly uh, reach out. Are you hiring at all? We or, Yeah, we will be uh, probably come Q1. So Sweet. in the beginning of next year, we will be looking for some full-time jobs in marketing. And there's probably some intern options as well. Sweet. Well, Alex, thank you very much for coming on to the Evernorth podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes, share it with friends and family. And you can find us at Ever underscore North on Instagram and Twitter and Evernorth Co. on Facebook.